listening to the Art of Fulfillment podcast. We interview the world's most fulfilled people to share with you the strategies, techniques, and ideas that can help you master your own art of fulfillment. Life isn't about external success. It's all about fulfillment. Or in other words, how you feel about yourself when you are by yourself. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Art of Fulfillment Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and we're here for another incredible interview with someone who is deeply fulfilled in their life to help you learn the tips, techniques, and strategies to create a fulfilling life for yourself. And this is the first dentist we've ever had on the Art of Fulfillment. And nonetheless, um, it was very, very powerful. And uh, he made me want to have more dentists on the show. <laughs> and he's not just any dentist. He's recognized worldwide as the dentist responsible for creating smiles for many of Hollywood's brightest stars. In fact, this person has become a star in his own right as the featured dentist on the hit ABC series Extreme Makeover, as well as a recurring guest co-host on the new Emmy-winning daytime CBS show The Doctors. In addition, this person is a world-renowned lecturer and author of the best-selling cosmetic dentistry book, The Smile Guide, and the New York Times bestseller, Billion Dollar Smile. The innovative and accomplished doctor is also renowned in his field as an energy-brimming inventor and a brilliant entrepreneur who has brought award-winning innovations to the world of dentistry. And in 1989, at the age of 30, he formed a hugely successful company called Discus Dental, the world's leading manufacturer and distributor of tooth whitening, oral hygiene, and aesthetic dental products. And so without further ado, I introduce to you Dr. Bill Dorfman to the Art of Fulfillment. Dr. Bill, thank you for coming on the show, man. You are looking absolutely great. And you too, you look dapper today in your headset. Thank you, and you look dapper today in your quarantine outfit. I've never seen someone rock a quarantine outfit as well as you do. And you know what's incredible too, For I know a lot of people are listening um, and there, there's no video for this, but it blew my mind that, you know, you are, what, 61 years old? And, dude, you... I'm like 100, dude. <laughs> you look like a freaking beast, man. I mean, like, you look no no age older than 30 years old. You're built like an absolute stud. So for anyone who believes that, you know, they, they can't look absolutely incredible at over the age of 60, check out Dr. Bill's Instagram and his fitness, and his fitness is off the charts. So... Definitely want to say that, man. First and foremost, I appreciate your dedication to that. And speaking about, de- oh, of course, speaking about dedication, one of the things that I just love about you is that you're passionate in everything you do, whether it's dentistry, fitness, leadership, or philanthropy, you put your passion into it. And so how did you get on this path um, to where you were doing the things that you were super passionate about? Because a lot of people listening to this podcast are looking for things that they're passionate about. And I think that you embody um, you know, that word passion and everything that you do. So how did you get involved in all these things and, uh, and get passionate about all these, uh, different areas you're into? Wow. You just asked me like 15 questions. Alan. <laughs> so let's just start back at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. I was a really weird, strange, abnormal kid. Like, uh, like, <laughs> okay, here's a story, anecdotal story. Dr. Bill goes to kindergarten. Dr. Bill comes home from kindergarten. 
Dr. Bill's parents say, hey, Billy, that's what I was at that time. I wasn't Dr. Bill yet. How was school? This is an honest to God response. Mom, dad, the kids in my class are so immature. Five years old. At five. <laughs> like, like, what kind of freak do you think? I mean, literally, like they're so immature. Like, my best friend in the class was a teacher. And I think I was more mature than her. I was a weird dude. Like, I just didn't get it. Like, it was so strange. I don't think I was ever a little kid. I think I was born in, like, this old man's brain. I don't know. It's really weird, you know? And so, like, people, do you know, in kindergarten, I was voted most likely to succeed. Mm -hmm. In first grade, I was voted most likely to succeed. In grammar school, junior high, high school, call like any time, dental school, any time that they did like those silly little things, like I never got the cool ones, like most kissable lips or <laughs> like any of the ones that like you would like want to brag about. I got like most likely to succeed. So I don't know. I guess like people around me kind of felt I was weird too or so. I don't know. I I honestly don't know. But I think the thing is like even before I learned that this was a thing, my motto for life has always been go big or go home. Mm -hmm. I never did half anything. Like if I do, I commit. And when I commit, I commit like wholeheartedly commit. Um, that's, I don't know where that came from. I, I, you know, we're all wired differently, you know, from the get go. I mean, you see kids that are shy and you see kids that are this, like I was just wired that way. You know, for me, you know, a B was not good enough. Like if I got a B, it's like, I didn't, I didn't work hard enough. I didn't try hard enough. I like, I always wanted to get an A and you know, when we started discus dental, which was my, my tooth whitening company. So, you know, as I was practicing dentistry, um, I formed a tooth whitening company with, with my best friend, Robert Heyman, who's the son of Fred Heyman from Giorgio cosmetics. Mm. You know, we didn't just build products. Like a lot of companies do that. They'll, they'll build a product. No way, dude. We made category killers. If we did a product, we wanted it to be so great that when it went on the market, we put everybody else out of business. Mm. We wanted to eat our competition for lunch, and we did. And that was awesome. You know, so for me, I wasn't happy with a good product. I wanted my product so good that people in the market would say, why would I buy anything but that product? Mm. Mm -hmm. So you asked me where it came from. I don't know. <laughs> I was born with it. That's how I was wired. Mm. It just it happened. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I love, I love your emphasis on going all in on something, right? And never, never going half, just full out all in. And I'm curious if through your foundation, which is the Leap Foundation, which I encourage uh, anyone to check out, he's doing great work um, in, in 
helping uh, kids in middle school and high school become great leaders. Do you get kids in those programs who maybe weren't wired the same way as you growing up? And if so, like, how do you get them to kind of shift their mindset to go all in to, you know, go the extra mile if maybe they weren't um, wired that way when they were brought up? So, you know, I applaud you in, in what you're doing with your podcast. And I know how, you know, devoted you are to philanthropy and all that. And, you know, and our company was as well. You know, when we started Discus, we had nothing, nothing. I mean, we started from zero. We had no investors. We had no money. And we grew that company from zero to over $1.3 billion in sales. Wow. And that's the part I'm not as proud of. The next part I'm going to tell you, and the next part I'm going to tell you is along the way, we raised over $45 million for children's charities. Wow. So from the we started making money, we gave back and we gave back and we gave back. And, you know, that was great, you know, and, and I loved doing it. But when I got involved with a program, which was the precursor to the LEAP program, the part I really loved the most about it was it wasn't just helping kids you know that it's the old analogy like do you give them the fish or the fishing pole mm -hmm. well we were giving them the fishing pole but the cool thing is is that after we gave them the fishing pole i got to see them catch fish mm -hmm. for years and years and years and i've seen these kids grow into incredibly successful young business women and businessmen and that to me was so much more gratifying than than raising money for hospitals which i know is important but you know giving kids the tools that they need to be as successful as they can in life mm. to me there's nothing better you know they they say he he who gives receives the greatest gift and i'm like the most selfish person in the world because i get so much out of this like it, 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 I just love doing it. it. It has become such a passion, you know. I mean, almost, almost daily, you know. I get reminded from some, you know, leap student that that will send me a a quick little email or a note or whatever, and just tell me how it affects their their life. And and you know, we're one of the only programs I know that teaches things like. Besides entrepreneurship and, and 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 networking and and public speaking, we teach appreciation. Mm. Like, where do kids learn appreciation today? We teach the hundred-year lifestyle. I mean, look, I'm 61. Look on my Instagram. You know, I'm stronger than I was when I was in my 20s because I learned how to take care of myself and how to you know, to, you know, increase my longevity by healthy eating and healthy exercising and stuff like that. So just a quick pitch, go to Dr. Bill Dorfman on Instagram, Dr. Bill Dorfman on Instagram. You'll see, cause I post really fun stuff. Um, you know, and, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's always been such a great honor for me to be able to work with these kids and I'll tell you something, we have the kids at LEAP do what we call I appreciate notes. Mm 
And it's a little notepad we give them. And at the top it says, I appreciate, and then it's blank. And they'll say, okay, Dr. Bill. And then four, and then they'll explain what it is. And I would say last year out of 400 kids that came to LEAP, I got 400 I appreciate notes. Wow. And I would say that 99% of them, somewhere in the notes, said, Dr. Bill, I appreciate LEAP and what you and your team have done because it's changed my life. Mm. And I know it has. But the ones that get me choked up, the ones that really hit home, are the ones that say, Dr. Bill Leap saved my life. Wow. And it, and it happens a lot more than you think. You know, I, uh, I have probably had 20 kids over the last 13 years that have virtually told me that had it not been for Leap, they would have ended their lives that's and you know and it's look growing up is hard today harder than when we grew up i mean you and i are different generations but you know what i mean i mean with uh, there are kids that get bombarded and bullied on social media and this and that like you know what when i was a kid if there was somebody in my class that didn't like me and they called me a name okay joe doesn't like me but now Joe posts it and the whole school knows hmm. that's hard, man. That's hard, you know? And as much as schools try to monitor that stuff, they, they, they can't control everything. And so the thing that makes Leap so important and so effective is the first thing we do with kids when they get to the program is we put them in a group with 10 other kids their age and a coach. And not only does that coach work with them the whole week of LEAP, they're plugged in for the whole next year. Mm -hmm. Like my coaches are, are, are students who have gone through the program, have gone back and have demonstrated to us that they're actually walking the walk and talking the talk and doing the stuff that we teach. And then you know, they apply, they become a coach and they're responsible for these 10 kids. And I'm going to be honest with you. I've got three daughters. If I tell my kids to do something, they're not going to do it. <laughs> and they're dad. Now, if you, Joe, tell them to do something and you're an expert in that field, they might do it. Mm -hmm. but I can guarantee you that if five of their best girlfriends tell them to do something, they're going to do it. Absolutely. Why Leap works. Mm -hmm. And that's why we became like the number one rated motivational leadership program in the country for kids 15 to, to 25 plus. It works. I mean, we turn these kids' lives around. And the thing that I love about Leap too is this. I have so many amazing patients that have participated over the years. Mark Wahlberg, Anthony Hopkins, um, um, Kathy Bates, Paula Abdul, Michael Strahan, Usher, um, Apollo Ono, the most decorated Winter Olympian. I could go on and on for free. We don't pay these people one penny because like me, 
and like you, Joe, they believe that the future of our country, of our world, is in our youth. And they're happy to invest and help give these kids the guidance they need. Anthony Hopkins was so riveting. I mean, here's one of the most successful actors in the world. And he talked about his battle with alcohol and how he almost lost his career. And he is an active member of AA today. Mm -hmm. It keeps him sober. It keeps him going. Just like your jogging keeps you, you know, with putting your energy in the right direction, that fuels his fire, you know? Um, Mark Wahlberg was in prison. I mean, he was a derelict. And, you know, what changed his life was God. I mean, we all find something, but when you can share that little bit of knowledge with a kid that's lost or doesn't have direction, nothing's better, man. Mm, yes, and I, and I wanna say thank you for all the things that you're doing to, to help our youth get out of places that you know, maybe they're just mentally stuck in or you know, even like that was so powerful when you shared the story about how you were saving these kids, some of these kids lives. I mean, that is just really powerful. And it just shows how effective your program is. And you can tell just by how you're talking about this program, how much you actually care. And I just want to say, thank you so much for what you're doing and for sharing that. It was so, so powerful. And I'm curious, like, what are some of like, like the specific lessons that you're, you know, teaching, um, you know, some of these kids in these programs that set them up for the success in their life um, going forward, that might be useful for someone listening right now who's saying, Hey, like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm stuck. I, I want this advice. Like what are some of those lessons that you teach? All right. Let's, let, let's hit the top three. Number one, find a great mentor. Mm. Okay. That is the fastest road to success. You do not need to reinvent a wheel. Wheels have been here a long time. What did I do? When I graduated dental school, I went and I did a two year residency in Switzerland. Why? I grew up poor, man. I'd never seen anything. And I thought, if I'm going to open up a dental practice and be tied to this, how stupid would I be to never have explored the world? Mm -hmm. So I did it. I lived in Europe for two years. It was an amazing experience for me. I came back. I opened my practice. I really you know, determined that cosmetic dentistry was the, the field in dentistry that I wanted. Do you think Beverly Hills needed another cosmetic dentist back in 1987? No. You weren't even born. Nope. <laughs> so, you know, so what did I do? I called the five most successful cosmetic dentists in town. I said, look, I am a nobody. I know nothing and I have nothing. Can I come in and shadow you? This wasn't even, this was before shadowing was even a thing. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't even think we use the word shadow. I said, can I come in and observe you? And I did. I went to the five most successful practices and I sat there like a sponge. And I didn't do what most people did. I mean, there weren't a lot of people that were shadowing at the time, but what I did compared to what they did was apples and oranges. Mm. And I know this because the doctors told me like, wow, I've never seen somebody do this. What I did, this is what I did. I didn't just go in there and watch them grind on teeth. That's what everybody else did. You know what I did, Joe? Mm. I went in there and I watched how the patients came in. 
I watch the intake forms. I watch the interaction between the patient and the front desk. I watched how they brought the patient into the treatment room. I watched how they discussed the treatment, how they discussed the fees, how they discussed the pros and cons of doing the treatment. I watched the doctor then deliver the treatment, and then I watched them take the patient to the front desk and how they collected money and set up the next appointment. Like for me, it wasn't like, I wanna watch you grind down teeth. I wanted to understand the experience. Mm. I wanted to know what a patient experience was like in each of these offices. And so I could pull the best of each of these offices and try to create an environment where my patients felt like they were getting the best experience. How did it turn out for me? I have 1,800, I, I, more than 1,800, I think 1,850 five-star gold, you know, five, uh, five gold-star Google reviews. You know, I'm the only dentist, I think, on this side of the world that has that many five-star Google reviews, mm. you know? So it worked out. You know, I copied, I copied, and I'll tell you from the time I started my practice, within two years, I probably had the busiest practice in all of Beverly Hills and Century City, where I practice, where I've been practicing since 1987. Hmm. So that would be number one. Copy, copy genius, find great mentors. Number two, never fail. Never fail. I never fail. Well, how can that be? I'll tell you how it can be. If I do something and it doesn't come out the way I want it to, that's not a failure. That's practice. Then you do it again and again and again and again and again if you have to. Because you really only fail when you quit. And I won't quit. So as long as you look at a failed attempt as practice to getting to a successful attempt, you really don't ever have to fail. Because mm -hmm. if it doesn't turn out the way you want it to, it's not failure. It's practice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. And number three has two parts, 3A, 3B. 3A. Don't wait for opportunities in life. Make them. Mm. Joe, if I have another, I'm sorry, millennial come up to me <laughs> telling me that they're waiting for the universe, I just want to say, have you looked at the newspaper lately? The universe is pretty busy. Yep. The universe doesn't care about Dr. Bill or Joe or Sally or anybody else. You need to care about yourself. And so if you sit there waiting for opportunities, shame on you because your life is going to pass you by and you're still going to be waiting. Go out and make opportunities. That's 3A. 3B is big. You ready? Mm -hmm. Maybe write this one down. It's really big. I got my paper. Oh, yeah. All right. When you do get an opportunity, don't take it. Master it. Ooh, I like that. I like right? So here's another Dr. Bill life example. 
I was not made for TV, right? I was literally, I really think that if we have a maker who says, this is what you're made for, that maker said, he's made to be a dentist. I really think that. Mm. Of all the things I do professionally, the thing where I feel I'm most in my comfort zone, where I really feel like I am here to do this is dentistry. Mm. I see, I practiced with a lot of dentists over the years. I was in a big clinic in Switzerland. It, it, it's not hard for me. You know, like I see, I see people really struggle with it. Like it really, it, it just comes to me. It's mm. not hard. I love it. I'm passionate about it. I could do it all day. I do do it all day long. You know, when ABC put me on extreme makeover and I transitioned from just being a dentist to like now a TV dentist, mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie. I stunk. <laughs> Literally, like the first few episodes of extreme makeover, I was so bad. It was, it was painful. Like I have the most encouraging supportive parents in the world even they said i was bad oh i mean it was bad so i had two choices stink or get better so mm. what i do i took acting classes hosting classes improv classes teleprompting classes cold reading like i became an actor and not because I ever want to be an actor. I don't. I have zero desire to be an actor. But when I saw what a huge impact me being on ABC's show, you have to understand, this is the first time ever that dentistry was on primetime TV in a positive light. It wasn't like Marathon Man or Little Shop of Horrors or any of these other. <laughs> this is like, I get to show you how great dentistry can be right mm. when I saw what a huge impact that had directly on sales of zoom tooth whitening by the way I invented zoom mm. tooth whitening ah, <laughs> there you go I was, sorry, I was like wait brain was like yeah. going a little bit <laughs> I, I kind of think that they probably got the inspiration of the name from my from my whitening product maybe oh, Who oh, knows? I, I think so <laughs> right but at any rate, you know, I mean, when I saw what an impact me being on primetime TV had on direct sales of our product, we had grown, you know, 2 million, 4 million, 8 million, 6. We kind of plateaued off for a few years, right around 76 million. The first year I was on ABC's Extreme Makeover, we went to 101 million. Then the next year, 136 million. And the third year, we hit almost $200 million in sales. Now, I'm going to tell you something else, and, and most people don't know this. Every single person on that show got paid except for me. The hairstylists, the beauticians, the weight trainers, the plastic surgeons, the optimal. Every single person got paid except Dr. Bill. Why? There's a thing I say at LEAP that will happen 
they're life-defining moments. Sometimes you plan them, sometimes you don't, sometimes they're spontaneous, and sometimes you don't even realize they happen until years later. I had a huge life-defining moment. ABC shot a pilot. I did zoom whitening on three patients. That's it. They didn't really get what cosmetic dentistry could do. So, you know, they had all their plastic surgery and this and that. They did three zoom whitenings. The show was a huge hit. We, I mean, we hit ratings they, they never expected. So they bought the first season, mm. 22. First patient, first season needs 20 porcelain veneers, 10 uppers, 10 lowers. At the time, we're charging $1,500 a veneer. That's a $30,000 case. I was to send an invoice to ABC before I started. I did. They freaked. They called me back. They're like, Dr. Bill, we had no idea that dentist was expensive. I said, well, it is. And then they said, well, can you just do three veneers? I'm like, what, like every other tooth? Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to do like, really white uppers and then they're going to have brown. I'm like, no, the, the, the patient needs 20. And I did something that literally just came spontaneously. I said, listen, I'll make you a deal. I'll do all the dentistry for free under the following three conditions. Number one, I'm the only dentist. Mm. If you watch the series, there were probably 20 plastic surgeons at I'm the only person on every single episode. Wow. Why? I didn't want them to maybe get a dentist that wasn't good and then have people thinking like I did the bad work. Mm. So I had to own the brand. So I was the extreme makeover dentist. Number two, you have to highlight Zoom in every episode. Mm. Why? Dude, I own the company. <laughs> that never happened on reality TV today. But we were one of the first reality shows, and they were thinking like, wow, if we can get all the dentistry for free, that's cool. And number three, you have to mention Da Vinci veneers. Why? Because the lab bill's like 10000 bucks, And I didn't want to like A, not get paid, and then B, have to pay my laboratory $10,000 every time. So ABC agreed to all three. So I was the featured dentist on every single episode of the show um, for all three seasons that we were on the air. Now, ABC didn't pay me, but it was okay. Oh, I can imagine. That is some strategic thinking if I've ever heard of it before. I, that is, I, I'll give you the nice golf clap for that because that is beautiful beautiful marketing beautiful positioning beautiful everything there and it remind when you were saying this it reminded me of a quote that i was listening uh of an interview that you did where uh someone asked you i believe it was oprah asked you like how did you start to think out of the box and you said i, I never saw the box and and that that whole story right there i think defines that quote and I'm curious, like for someone who maybe is seeing the box and they want to start thinking out of the box, like what would your advice be to that person who wants to start thinking out of the box to get creative, to position yourself, like all that stuff? You know, that was such a funny interview because I've been interviewed on so many different shows and radio shows and TV shows and this and that. And 
typically people don't realize that like when you're going to do, you know, Ellen or you're going to do the Rosie O'Donnell show or any, you know, they take you and they put you in a little room with a producer and they talk to you for an hour. And then the producer picks two or three things that they think the audience is going to like best. And then you basically do that on TV again, right? Mm -hmm. There's only two times in my career that didn't happen. Oprah and Larry King Live. Mm. Now, the scary thing about Larry King Live is it really is live. So <laughs> not you not know what he's saying, but you're going live worldwide. Mm -hmm. Oprah is what we call live to tape. Mm. So that's how we film doctors, you know? So when you're watching it at home, it looks like it's live, but it's actually pre-taped. Mm -hmm. But nevertheless, you don't know what Oprah's going to ask you. She has mm -hmm. a whole team of people doing research. So when she asked, she said, Dr. Bill, your career as a dentist has been so unusual and unlike any I've ever met. What inspired you to think outside the box? This was way before that phrase was common. Like when Oprah said that to me, that was the first time I had ever heard that phrase. No way. That's wow. how. And my honest, unfiltered, response was what box <laughs> like, I, like I never even knew I was supposed to be in a box mm -hmm. and I've always lived my life that way you know I, I mean I don't let people think for me you know I listen to people and I may you know adapt their ideas or 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 you know embrace certain things but you know I, I i'm not like a group person like i like if everybody's doing this you know like when your mother says when you're a kid well if he jumped off the top of the bridge would you like i i would seriously think about it i mean if it looked fun and i think i get hurt right but i'm not gonna like just do it because 50 people do it and a lot of times in my life like i'm pretty much the only person i knew from the get-go just didn't drink alcohol and it wasn't a moral thing a religious thing i just literally didn't like it i i drank I, oh I, I no offense i'm sorry but if you love beer it made me want to throw up i i i could not acquire a taste for it and it was really hard to go through fraternity rush and not drink beer like oh when God. people i used to throw it over my shoulder in the bushes I never had a beer in my life. Wow. I had a few, but they didn't know that, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm a weird dude. That's awesome. That is so funny. That It is, I think you're weird, but in a good way. And I think that a, a <laughs> lot of people, a lot of people like who are really successful in life are weird. I mean, like uh, David Meltzer, who actually uh, we've had on the podcast, I heard him say the other day, he was like, yeah, Warren Buffett's a weird dude. Like Steve Jobs is a weird dude. Like, and, and it's, I think people who are the weirdest tend to be the most successful in their lives. Cause they're. I, I hope so. I'll tell you something. I, uh, of like all the people in the world, my favorite, favorite person to talk to like one-on-one -on -one, is Elon Musk. Mm. He, he and I are equally weird. And <laughs> it, I, the, the cool thing about talking with Elon is like, he's 
he's like he's so incredibly gifted and smart in ways beyond my comprehension that it's like literally like it, it like when when you're engaged in a deep conversation with him it's almost like it's a surreal experience i can imagine no anybody else like that he's the only person i would use i would say that about oh i i can imagine i is he is he like what he is like on like the like the he's media and everything or he's super sweet and 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 like quirky as all hell you know but just i mean like genius like you literally i have to keep like closing my mouth because i'm like i'm in awe like my jaw drops it's like where did where did you come from i mean i've had several friends say doc you're not human i'm like i'm starting to think i'm not human but like if i'm not human he's really not human right right yeah i i can believe it he, just the way he talks it is like he's just not even a human being it's like it just comes from somewhere else and again i i, I love how you're you're emphasizing that message again that you know, because there's a lot of people listening to this podcast who are weird. I'm weird. Like, people people see me as weird. Same thing. And I think it's, if people can embrace that, embrace the weirdness, I think they can, uh, you know, see a level of success that you've seen in your life. And not only success, but fulfillment. Don't you agree? I do. I, I really think, like, you know, the, those three points I gave you, you know, including 3A and 3B, if you really focus on those, that is such a great starting place, you know. Um, for young people that are confused or don't really know what they want to do for a profession, one of the things I love about LEAP is the fact that we, we do something called a mentor workshop. And you can be a part of this, Joe. Um, on Friday, we'll get 100 different professionals. And any of your listeners that want to do this, just go to our Leap site and you can sign up. It's www.leapfoundation.com. And basically, we'll have the ability through our virtual program to put you in a chat room with, with people um, that have different careers. We have doctors and lawyers and firefighters and screenwriters and actors and actors. I mean, you name it. And basically, the idea is to let young people ask you questions about your career so they get a little bit more clarity on whether that's a career they want to do or not. Mm. But I would encourage whoever you are listening, if you're not in the career you want to be in, find somebody who is and shadow them and spend time with them and ask them what they do and don't like about the career. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably the best career advice that we've ever had on the show by far. By far, right? No, I, come on. You've had you have over a hundred episodes, dude. I, I we, hey, we got over a hundred episodes, but I fully align with what you're saying just because I've done it in my life and I've, you know, seen the same thing. It's it's if you want to be great and I love your story about how you, you know, went to Switzerland to learn from the best. I think there I totally a thousand percent agree with you. I think one of the best ways to break into a new career that you want or a new job or whatever is learning from people who are successful in that field. And, um, that's why I endorse well, your, just your to message be so much. Clear, I didn't go to Switzerland to learn how to be the best dentist. Mm. I went to Switzerland to see the world. The clinic that I worked in was actually a clinic where we treated, um, immigrants 
who were not oh. Swiss citizens and were kind of in a holding state. And the Swiss dentists didn't want to treat them because they didn't get paid enough. So they hired foreign dentists to come in and take care of them. So, but, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you real quickly the story on Switzerland because I think this is a good one too. When I applied for that program, they had 400 applicants for one position. Why 400 applicants? It was literally the only place in the world at the time where you could practice first world dentistry abroad. Hmm. I can't practice in France. I can't practice in England. I, I can go practice anywhere in South America with an American license. Hmm. But if I wanted to practice in, you know, in a first world country, Switzerland was it because this was part of the hospital program and we were covered under the hospital. So there were 400 applicants for one job. Why would they hire me? There's no good reason. You know, mm -hmm. how did I get hired? I'll tell you what I did. I had every instructor in my dental school that knew me write a letter of recommendation. And by the way, if you're a student and you're asking for letters of recommendation, please don't feel like you're offending somebody to say what I'm going to tell you right now. But what I did was I would tell the professors, listen, I would love if you can write me a letter. And if you're too busy to do it, I'll be happy to write it. And then you can personalize it. Mm. And anytime I write a letter for a student, I have them do it because they know themselves better than I know them. Mm. And it's a lot less work for me to sit down and write a two page letter all on my own, as opposed to you write it. And then I just kind of, you know, edit it. I so like I it. sent him, I sent him probably 10 to 15 letters. I didn't get any responses. So then I started calling. I became a stalker. I would call like once a week. And back then it wasn't that easy to call Switzerland, by the way, but I did it. And I called and I called and I called. And I would say maybe one third of the time I'd get through and I'd get them on the phone. So it was a few weeks before graduation. I got him on the phone. His name was Monsieur Schreier. Mm. And I could tell that like he wasn't real interested and I wasn't really making any progress. And I didn't feel like there was a very big potential that I was going to get hired, especially when I said, do you have a lot of applicants? And he said, I don't know, over at least over 400. Well, when he said that to me, I had a life defining moment, mm. unplanned and spontaneous. I said, Monsieur Schreier, can I take you to lunch? He said, lunch, you're in San Francisco. I said, I know, but I'll fly out, which was even funnier because I had no money. I was like <laughs> broke as broke could be. But he said yes. And I figured out a way to borrow some money from a relative. And I flew out there and I figured in a worst case scenario, I'll fly to Switzerland. I'll see a little bit of Europe. I'll come home and I'll set up a practice. In a best case scenario, I'll fly to Switzerland. They'll hire me and I'll stay for a year or two. Well, I had best case. Damn, that is, if there's one word I can use to describe that story is relentless and also resourceful. So there's two words. That is awesome. I think, wow, I love that story. And, and it just goes to show that if you're resourceful enough, you've committed enough, you know, and, and you can, if you want it bad enough, you can make it happen. And I love you 
for sharing that story. And, and I know a lot of people are going to be as fired up listening to that as I was right there. So Dr. Bill, we are at the tail end of the podcast. And so uh, where can our listeners, again, uh, find more about the LEAP Foundation if they're interested in getting involved with it? And then yeah. where can they follow you on social? So I'm going to give you a bunch of stuff. LEAP is www.leapfoundation.com. If they want to follow me on social, all my social is at Dr. D-R Bill, B-I-L-L Dorfman, D-O-R-F-M-A-N. Um, I also have a podcast that I want to have you on, Joe. It's called oh, Meet Your. Um, we are in the top 100 in over 75 countries worldwide, and we ranked 94th out of 47,000 in my category in the U.S. Wow. Um, so it's, it's, it's really taken off and it's a lot like the, 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 the format of yours. So, um, it, you know, I definitely want to, you know, have you on mine and I am probably the only person who has close to a million followers on Instagram that absolutely answers every DM. I promise wow. you, if, if you DM me, I will answer. And, um, yeah, no, I do. I do. It's a good way to communicate. And the thing I like about it is it's not like, uh, it's not like giving somebody your phone number or your email. Oh gosh, I have so many emails after you every day. So yeah, DMs are short, sweet to the point. And that's the, the best way to communicate with me. And people ask me dental questions. They ask me fitness questions. They ask me, oh dude, I just got a feature in GQ magazine on fitness. Oh, let's go. That is awesome. I shot it. I, I had to shoot all the pictures myself. Are you ready for this? Absolutely. Here's the, here's the title. How to work out at home for men over 60. <laughs> oh, let's go. Dude, you're the perfect poster child for that. Let me tell you, man. But like in a good way, man. I'm there. I mean, I, people keep saying, wait, you're not over 60. I am. I went to go to the store and they have this thing at Ralph's. That's the local grocery store where if you're over 60, you can go between seven and eight, and then at eight people over 60 can go. People try, they almost rioted. I had to pull out my driver. I'm like, you guys, I'm really 61. Dude, and it goes back to what I said in the beginning of the podcast. I, sw I could have sworn you were no age over 40. Like, seriously, man, dude. I well, thanks. You're, you're seriously an inspiration to, to everyone out there because, I yes, there it is. I mean, seriously, because I know a lot of people have this belief where it's like, once you're 60, like, I'm not going to be able to work out and look good and blah, blah, blah. But anyone who's thinking that right now, take a look at Dr. Bill. The dude is shredded. The dude is fit. I, I, my final message, you can rest when you're dead. Oh, I love that. I love that, man. I'm taking that to the grave. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Bill, thank you so much for this. I love everything that you're doing in the world. And I'm sure that everyone listening to um, totally agrees when they say this world is a better place because you're in it. And thank you so much again for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Art of Fulfillment. I really appreciate you taking the time to do so, not only because it helps the podcast, but because you are actually going out and bettering yourself. And I always say the best way to change the world is by changing yourself. And that's exactly what you were doing by listening to this podcast. So I'm proud of you. And to show you that I really mean what I'm saying here in terms of I am just so grateful 
I'm making myself 100% available to you in my DMs on Instagram if you want advice, you want to talk through something, you want a little bit of a mini coaching session, whatever that might be, I'm more than happy to help you out. So feel free to give me a DM on Instagram at Joe Corsione, and I'm more than happy to help with whatever you need. All right, everyone, thank you so much again for tuning in. We'll see you on the next episode of the Art Fulfillment. And remember, as always, create a fulfilling life for yourself. Take care.